Chapter 4 How to Make Failure Your Friend The Imperfect Race By 2008, Heather Dorndon was already a decorated athlete. By her early years, she had been the Minnesota High School Track and Field State Champion in both the 400-meter and 800-meter races. Whoa. She had set high school records and state records in the process. When she was a freshman at the University of Minnesota, she was the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Champion in the 800-meter race. So, by the time she lined up to run the 600-meter race of the 2008 Big Ten Finals, there were high expectations that she'd finish first. Okay, so as the gun went off, she started off strong. She quickly passed the runner from the University of Indiana, and the runner from Penn State was running a strong race out in front, but after the first lap, Heather was already in second place, behind the runner from Penn State. Just as she was nearing the end of the second lap, she began to make her move. She pulled even with the runner from Penn State, and then she pulled into first place. With only one lap to go, all she had to do was just hold on to her lead. But then the worst thing happened. Just as she passed the lead runner, Heather's front foot caught on her back foot and she fell hard. Heather knew from her training that she had to get back up quickly. But once she was back on her feet, all the other runners were already 30 meters ahead of her. All that ground that she had fought so hard to win was lost in just a moment. Here's a quote from Heather. She said, After I fell, it was as if a vacuum had sucked all the energy out of that place. It would have been easy for Heather to quit. These were the best runners across the entire conference. They would be tough to beat without a 30-meter head start and only one lap to go. She had all the reason in the world to think, I guess this just isn't my day. But that's not what she did. She got up and kept going. With only one half of a lap to go, she was still in last place, but she was gaining ground. With one third of a lap to go, she passed a runner. As she rounded the curve to the final home stretch, she was in third place. There were two runners ahead of her. 10 meters from the finish line, which by the way is not that much distance, she passed the runner from Indiana University to take second place. By any measure, this race was a gutsy effort and definitely a success. And she kept going. With three strides to go, she caught up to the lead runner. At two strides, they were dead even. They're two strides away from the finish line. With the final stride of the race, Heather pulled ahead of the final runner and she finished first. She just kept going. If Heather had let that mistake define her race, she could have quit. She could have stopped trying. Instead, she chose to keep going despite the mistake. Before long, Heather's resilient efforts inspired lots of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, and they reached out to her to share their stories. Here's a quote from Heather. This race is so easily relatable to everyone's lives. I've heard from cancer survivors, people battling addiction, struggling artists, parents of athletes and coaches of every sport, runners of every age and ability, the list could go on. I always tell people this race isn't about never giving up. It's about discovering what you're capable of when you're given the opportunity to rise above adversity. Mm, So good, huh?
Winning in weight loss is not a matter of running the perfect race with no mistakes. Every weight loss story has mistakes in it. Every single one. Winning is a matter of persevering through the mistakes. When we go on a diet, we tend to think we have to follow it perfectly or we've failed. It's either perfect or it's a failure. There's no in-between. We go a couple of days of being on track, then we miss a day and we vow to start fresh again the next day. But by 4.37 p.m., that resolve begins to crumble. And of course, we create meaning around our mistakes. We make mistakes mean that we have failed, that we're hopeless. Eventually, this leads to a constant cycle of starting, failing, stopping, starting all over again from scratch. So much of our journey becomes about the rebooting, and that's incredibly unproductive. You don't need to reset and start all over again on New Year's Day or Monday or any other day. In fact, mistakes are not, quote, just part of the process that you need to get through. Instead, mistakes are a crucial part of the learning process of weight loss. You cannot succeed long-term without the missteps and the learning. Mistakes are not failures. Mistakes are opportunities. They are the all-important stepping stones that guide you from where you are to where you want to be. Making mistakes is how you learn to look at what happened with curiosity rather than judgment. It helps you learn about yourself and your triggers and gather data to help you next time that you face something similar in the future. The only true mistake is when you use a misstep as evidence for why you can't succeed. You cannot talk to yourself that way. The dialogue in your head is so crucial. The meta skill. If there is one key skill of weight loss that can change everything for you, it is this. Ready? Learn to look at each mistake, each slip up, overeat, extra slice of birthday cake, whatever, and ask yourself with compassionate curiosity, what can I learn from that? It can feel demoralizing to think, okay, I've been here before, lose a little weight, then life happens, or we go on a trip and it all crumbles. That can be totally frustrating, but you don't have to look at it that way. Instead, you can see every mistake as a gift. You get to turn it into an opportunity. When I was in high school, my mom said that school was less about what I was learning and more about learning how to learn. She helped me realize that learning the system or the pathway to improvement is just as important as learning the subject matter itself. That's what you're doing here. The pathway of weight loss is number one, try something new. Number two, mess up. (laughs) Number three, Ask yourself with kindness and curiosity and compassion, what can I learn from this? Number four, use that answer to inform future choices. Number five, repeat. That is the meta skill of weight loss. If you can keep doing that one thing consistently, all the other things will fall into place over time. You're not going to make great choices every moment. That's normal. When that happens, because you can expect it to happen, Go back and ask, huh, I wonder why I made that choice. I wonder what happened. What was the other choice I wish I had made? What could I have been thinking or feeling to make a better choice in that moment? 
wait, here's an important note. Please pay attention. No shame self-talk allowed. Remember the shame spiral of doom? That's not what we're doing here. It's no wonder we feel lousy when we tell ourselves, I always fail, or I always make the wrong choice. How is replaying that failure in your head helpful? You cannot tell yourself, I always fail and expect to magically succeed. It doesn't work that way. Learn from the past, but don't live there. Life has ups and downs, and sometimes your eating does too. Over time, when those ups and downs of life come at you, gradually you can begin to have a better conversation with yourself. Those ups and downs are an important part of the process. They're not something to get upset about. They're an invitation to examine what's going on and come up with ideas and solutions to try out. Failure is simply an education in what not to do. It's about discovery. When things happen in your life, don't ask, why is this happening to me? Instead, ask, how is this happening for me? Quote, anyone who's never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Albert Einstein. The learning spiral. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated when I find myself needing to relearn something I've already learned in the past. For example, travel is great, but I find it to be a teensy bit stressful. My brain defaults to wanting a glass of wine or two to settle down from the stress of travel. I know this. And yet, I still find myself having to relearn the same lesson every time I travel. I used to beat myself up over that. I mean, how hard is it to learn something and remember it? It's like two steps forward, one step back. However, I decided that a better way to look at it is like a learning spiral. So imagine like walking up a spiral staircase and on the first floor is lesson 101. As you travel along, it's normal to forget some of the things that you learned in the past. But as you keep walking, you get to the same topic at a new level. And you need to relearn some of the things that you've learned before. But you're also adding new understanding on top of old knowledge when you reach lesson 201. And so on and so on as you walk up the spiral staircase, which I call the learning spiral. So if you're like me and you find yourself needing to learn the same thing over and over again, don't fret. Instead of berating yourself for not learning your lesson, choose to see yourself as getting a master's degree in the lessons of life. Getting smarter and wiser all the time, even if you need to relearn some things along the way. Thinking on purpose. Sure, it's great to look at what feels like failure and say, it's an opportunity. But that doesn't mean the feelings like regret and guilt and shame that come along with our perceived failure just magically go away. So what do you do with those feelings? If you want better feelings, think better thoughts. Your brain is the most powerful tool you have. If you don't manage it, it will manage you. I once heard an analogy that our thought patterns are like ski tracks in the snow of our brains. Tracks that are well-worn are really well-grooved in there. When you're on that track, the walls of the the ski tracks can be higher and harder to get out of. Listen, your brain does not care about your fulfillment or finding your passion or looking smoking hot in a bikini. It doesn't care about you creating a contribution to the world. Your brain only cares about keeping you alive and doing so as efficiently as possible. So it's always looking for that old ski track. When you're trying to create a new pattern, That's like a new track in the snow. There's not much of a groove yet, so it's easy to veer off course. So you've got to practice it to make it stick. 
We already know how the brain's natural default pattern will look for what's negative. Those old negative default thought patterns are like music playing in the background of your mind. However, just because you're not paying attention to your thoughts doesn't mean there's no music playing. Without tuning the channel to what you want to listen to, it's like the radio dial in your brain is forever stuck on a Rick Astley song singing, never gonna give you up, never gonna, oh God, sorry, I won't sing anymore. And now that song is stuck in my head. I really, really apologize. Okay, anywho, you get to choose the thoughts that get programmed on repeat. You can let that default music of your brain run wild, or you can positively change the station to thoughts that you want to listen to. When was the last time you heard someone say, you know, it's funny, without really trying to change my thinking at all, I just found myself feeling awesome and taking action on the things that really matter most to me in life. Yeah, me neither. 95% of your actions, and thus 95% of your results, are dictated by beliefs that are beneath your awareness in your subconscious mind. Do you really want to leave all that up to chance? This is why it is super important to use that 5% of proactive thought to practice the thoughts you want to have and thereby influence what's under the surface. Imagine if Oprah had listened to her default thoughts and never purposefully programmed her mind with empowering thoughts of making a difference in the world. Imagine what you could do if you took charge of your default thoughts and purposefully programmed them toward world-altering greatness. By the way, I'll show you how to do that in chapter eight with your redirect routine for self-sabotaging thoughts, so stay tuned for that. All right, so let me ask you this. If you were trying to learn how to shoot a basketball, how many times would you expect to need to practice before you started to get proficient at it? Habits of thought are the same way. We can't just hope our way to better thinking. We need to practice it proactively. Hoping your thoughts will improve on their own is like hoping you'll get better at shooting a basketball while sitting on the couch watching The Walking Dead. You are not weak for needing to remind your brain of something that you want to think on purpose. We tell our kids things over and over again. We don't question the need for repetition when we're trying to teach a child something new. Potty training comes to mind. And yet we don't give ourselves the same grace. I can listen to one podcast and think, I'm good. I've got this. I'm an adult. I have internalized it. I only need to do that once and I will change my life. But it doesn't work that way. It takes repetition. It takes intention. It takes sticky notes on the wall. It takes a paperclip chain or a sticker chart. We jump from thing to thing to thing, but we don't ever repeat one thing enough. Thanks to neuroplasticity, you can physically change your brain by changing your thoughts. At the same time, we are literally rewiring neural pathways here, people. It takes time. You have to do it over and over and over again. Sherlock Holmes, your way to success. I always liked math until it came time to do calculus. Oof. Math used to come easy to me, and suddenly I was having to really work hard just to pass the class. I was one of the lucky ones. I had fifth period math class with Mrs. Honorati instead of second period class with Mr. Smith. Mrs. Honorati was one of those wonderful teachers that cared more about her students' loving learning than about catching you in a mistake. She made us show our work because she was always looking for ways to give partial credit. She was looking for evidence that we had learned at least something of the math concepts, even if we didn't get the numerical answer exactly right. 
When we operate with a perfection mindset, then there's no room for partial credit. It's like saying, if I can't get 100% on my calculus test, then I'm not even going to answer the rest of the questions. What? That's crazy talk. Why can't we be that favorite teacher to ourselves? The way to rewire those neural pathways in your brain is not to look for perfection. It's to look for evidence of little ways that you're making progress. What if showing your work counts? What if effort counts? Grade yourself on a curve. Give yourself points for showing up and doing the work, even if you didn't do it perfectly. Even if the scale didn't move, especially if the scale didn't move. Purposefully look for ways to make your success feel as amazing to yourself as you can. It's not enough to simply want to feel good about the progress you've made. It takes conscious effort to look for what's right and celebrate the small actions you're taking to change your life. You've got to look for evidence. Be like Sherlock Holmes, finding those little clues that point to your eventual success. Look for clues and confirmations that you're on the right track. Proof won't just show up at your door. You've got to go out and look for it. And what's the best form of evidence? Effort. You can always find little ways that you're making an effort to be kind to yourself. Highlight those in your mind as much as you can. With the old diet mentality, you might think, I walked two miles and ate a salad for lunch today and I followed my plan and I've only lost one pound. What am I doing wrong? This is why I hate the scale. I think my body just isn't able to lose weight. With that kind of thinking, success is staring you in the face and yet all you can see is how it's not working. Remember, whatever you're looking for, you'll find it. Even a radiologist whose very profession it is to look and find things can miss something obvious if they're looking for something else. A study was done by Tafton Drew, an attention researcher at Harvard Medical School, and he found that when radiologists were looking for cancer nodules in scans of lungs, 83% of them missed an image of a gorilla embedded in the scan. A gorilla. Wow. When you have told your brain to look for one thing, you miss the other things that are right in front of you. When you're looking for what's wrong with you, you will miss all the things that are right with you. Moments like that are an opportunity to be proud of showing up for yourself today. Instead of wasting your precious energy thinking about all the ways that progress doesn't matter, you get to decide how you want to think about your weight loss each week. You need to celebrate yourself all the time for the little things you are doing to make progress. Instead of thinking, I only lost one pound this week, you could tell yourself, I've changed my life this week. I'm drinking water. I'm making meal plans. I'm walking every day. I'm serious. Those little wins are so important because those little wins give your brain a little hit of dopamine, the feel good chemical, and that helps you remember, Hey, I like this. And then that fuels your motivation to keep going. If you skip right past small wins and don't take time to celebrate or congratulate yourself, then your brain doesn't get that dopamine. It doesn't remember why it wants to keep working so hard and thus your motivation wanes. Feeling good is the fuel that runs the engine of motivation. Give yourself the best chance to feel good and keep firing that engine of motivation by getting excited about all the things that are within your control. If you had the book right now, you could see this cool little drawing I did of a car with a little engine and it's like plugged into the motivation engine of progress. It's, it's nice. Anyway, you get it. So back to the book. Take credit and ownership for all that you've accomplished without giving yourself a hard time 
for not having accomplished it sooner or made different choices in the moment. Own how far you've come given where you are rather than where you want to get to. You cannot hate on the work you've already done or the number of pounds you've already lost, as if that's not enough. You have got to make your progress sound as impressive to yourself as you can. Why is this so important? In her book, The Progress Principle, Teresa Amiable explains that human beings are actually more motivated by progress towards the goal than by actually achieving the goal itself. If you want to make it easier to keep going, you've got to allow yourself to feel like you're making progress. Talking up your success to yourself makes you feel like a badass and you can go out and do anything. Downplaying your progress to yourself makes you feel like you're not doing enough. Which do you think is going to make you want to keep going? The reason why this is so important is so that you don't give up. If you give up, you guarantee you won't succeed. And if you're hard on yourself in those tough moments, then you'll have less motivation to keep going. However, if you can give yourself hope in those moments that you're still making imperfect progress, then you'll feel more motivated to keep going. When you give yourself the gift, and I am serious, it is truly a gift, of allowing yourself to look for ways that you're proud of your progress, no matter how small, you are putting gas in the engine that keeps you going. That feeling of, hey, I'm doing a good job, is what helps you keep going when you don't have your favorite day or you're wondering, is this even worth it? Those little wins that you're proactively looking for are proving to your subconscious one little win at a time that you can do this. You can make progress and you can blow your mind of what you're capable of. The more you proactively, purposefully program your brain and look for ways that you do make good choices, the more it will begin to filter for those examples. The more evidence you begin to accumulate, the more belief you begin to develop that maybe you can do positive actions that eventually result in losing weight. Weight loss is a result. Results happen after a series of positive actions. You cannot ignore the actions and hope for a positive result. First, focus on the actions and then the results will begin to take care of themselves. It's like lifting weights in the gym. If you want a stronger body, you got to lift heavy things intentionally. If you want better thoughts, you got to look for them and think them intentionally. Hope is a discipline. Any positive thought or feeling is a discipline. You've got to be your own biggest cheerleader. Your success depends on it. I need a hero. When my kids were little, they would ask to listen to the kids XM radio station on their way to kindergarten. Fortunately, kids music has come a long way since the wheels on the bus go round and round. And one of my favorite songs was The Princess Who Saved Herself by Jonathan Colton. Seriously, go check it out. It's super cute. In it, the princess lives on her own and she does whatever she wants to. She eats cake. She plays guitar. She never wears socks. When a dragon comes around, she catches it by the tail and they end up having tea. When the pretentious prince calls, she doesn't have time for him and she gives the evil witch a makeover and they all end up starring in a band called The Kingdom of the Princess Who Saved Herself. The princess tells herself a different story. She doesn't need a handsome prince to come save her because she saves herself. How about you? What story are you telling yourself? You don't have to be a novelist or a songwriter to be pretty good at telling stories. In fact, we all tell stories to ourselves in our minds every day to explain our lives. You are the main character in the story of your life. But what role are you playing? 
Are you the victim or the hero? When you look at what's happened in your life, in your childhood or what you ate last weekend and ask yourself, so what? What am I making that mean? You get to tell the story. You get to make up the meaning you give to everything. You can make it mean something terrible or something amazing. You can make last weekend slip up mean that you're a failure and that you'll never lose weight. Or you can make it mean that you learned something, you're wiser for it, and you're more prepared for next time. What is the story that empowers you? How can you be the hero of your own story? The only difference is what you decide to focus on. So no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how many times you've tried to lose weight and you think that you failed, no matter what you ate last weekend, I encourage you to ask yourself, so what? What am I making it mean? And what do I want to make it mean? Maybe every time you tried to lose weight in the past was simply a practice run helping you learn what doesn't work for you. Like Thomas Edison learning lots of ways how to not make a light bulb. Instead of wallowing in guilt and self-recrimination, imagine this is just an early chapter in your story. The story where you overcame the challenges and setbacks, and little by little, you began to make progress, changing a tiny habit here and there. In this story, you learn to adjust the way you think about things gradually. And over time, you lost X number of pounds, and now you keep it off year after year because you learned to change your thinking and your behavior rather than simply following the rules of yet another diet. This is your story. Can you see yourself telling someone that story someday? The story of how you lost the weight and how you maintain it for good? Don't hold out for a hero. Be one for yourself.